Has the soon return of the Lord become a distant memory? Here's Pastor Xavier Ruth. The church has become comfortable in the world. It has become prosperous. And much like the church of Laodicea where she says, I have need of nothing, I'm rich. He says, you are blind, naked, miserable. We're caught up in our wealth, being as good as the world. We're caught up in all kinds of things. But we're not caught up in the soon return of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Much of the news of the day is focused on a struggling global economy, worldwide political unrest, and a desire to be part of the new movement. And that includes those in the church. Well, that's not the focus God has intended for His people. Pastor Xavier believes the church needs to step back from the hustle and bustle of today's hot topics and remember our intended purpose. Take a moment and prayerfully consider today's lesson, Patience in the Believer's Life, drawing simple truths from the epistle of James, chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned or judged. Behold, a judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. James has addressed the rich who have come to trust in their riches and oppress the poor by social injustices in the first six verses. He now turns to those who have been oppressed and unjustly treated, and exhorts them to be patient, persevering until the coming of the Lord. Patience is something that all of us lack. It is not anything natural that comes of us. The word means long-winded, to stand under, to endure. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. We endure as long as it's convenient. I can endure a little longer with those that are lovable, lovely, those who I feel responsible to. But only the Spirit of God can make us patient and persevering under any situation. Jesus said, in your patience possess ye your souls. Paul said that the believer is to be patient towards all men. Not only the believer, but the non-believer. And yet sometimes we get so impatient with the non-believer because we can't understand why they can't understand us. And really we are more irrational because 
The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him. He cannot discern them. But we have freely received them by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter, Paul says, that agape suffers long in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. See, it's only the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is agape. Only God's agape love can truly be sufficient for patience in our life. Anything else will be conditional. Anything else will fall short of the glory of God. And that's why it is so imperative that you and myself abide in Jesus Christ and His love. He said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Now James gives to us the test of faith through patience from verse 7 through 12. He gives to us the incentive for patience, three illustrations of patience, and the intent of patience. Let's look at the incentive for patience. It is the Lord's return. In verse 7 he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Three times James makes mention of the Lord's return from verse 7 through 9. In verse 8 he says, For the coming of the Lord is at hand. In verse 9 he says, Behold, a judge is standing at the door. There can be no greater incentive for the believer to be patient than the coming of the Lord. It's only when I lose sight that the Lord is not coming that I become impatient and I want to take things into my own hands. The word therefore be patient refers back to the first six verses. The Lord's return to judge the wicked and the unjust. His return is incentive for me to trust that God will settle all his accounts one day. People think that they can get away with things and that God doesn't see things. And we lose sight that when the Lord returns, He's going to take care of all those matters. Nothing will escape Him. Nobody will be able to excuse themselves. Nobody will be able to justify themselves. Because everything will be open and naked with whom we have to deal with. The word parousia for coming there. In the secular Greek, is used for someone's presence and also for the visit of a king or governor to a province or an empire. It appears 24 times in the New Testament. It's used both of the coming of Christ for his bride in the rapture as well as for his second coming. It is his physical return. When he comes physically to the earth, he will set up his kingdom. It will be a day of gloom. It will not be a day of light. Remember we touched on Amos how many of the rich and the wicked were oppressing the poor. And Amos in chapter 5 verse 18 through 20 says, Why do you rejoice and look forward to the day of the Lord as if it's some day of light and celebration? It's a day of gloom and darkness. And so we know that when Jesus returns, Matthew 25 tells us that he will Judge the nations first of all. And he will separate them as the sheep from the goats. Nobody will be able to sidestep all they have done. 
Nobody will be able to blame anybody else. And that is why Paul says about God, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord in Romans 12, 19. I'm sure that you have encountered at times in your life, or maybe even now this morning, somebody who has hurt you personally, someone who has defrauded you sexually, somebody who has maligned you, slandered you, someone who has really hurt you, and yet there is such a desire to see vengeance and to retaliate. And James says to these believers, in view of the Lord's return, be patient. He will take care of those things. You see, that's my natural response, but I'm no longer a natural man. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that I am supernatural and that I am to pray for those who persecute me. Pray for those who speak evil of me. You see, Jesus always presses me to the point where I tap myself out. I can't do that on my own. I have to draw from Him. It is impossible for me to do that. Somewhere along the line, I come up empty. I come up short. It's only as I abide in His agape love that I can go that extra mile. Only as I really see that He's the one that's going to settle the accounts one of these days. And then when I see that in reality, then my energies are put into prayer to those who have done me wrong because they fall under the judgment of God. You see, we as Christians are not to be vindictive. I'm not saying that we don't go through those flesh trips. But we are not to build upon them and we're not to live in that state. We are to bring them into subjection when those thoughts come in. We are to pay heed to the checking of the Holy Spirit. We are to cast ourselves upon the throne of God and say, Lord, help me. What a tremendous power we sense and we feel when we yield to the love and the power of God. What a sense of miserable satisfaction we receive and we sense when we handle things in our own might. What little satisfaction it really has. Secondly, the Lord's return should be an incentive for maturity. In verse 8, he says, You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The word established is to make stable, steadfast, not vacillating. God will hold me accountable for my growth and maturity to be all that God has desired me to be. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus speaks of the steward who was given talents and gifts and abilities and opportunities. And he says, to those that much is given, much is required. At times I grieve when I see the opportunity and the blessing that God gives to some Christians and they do nothing with what God gives to them. Like that servant that buries and they do nothing with it. See, we must recognize that God will hold me accountable to what He gives me. He will judge me against myself, not against anybody else. And so I must pursue the maturity in Christ and knowing that He is coming 
is the greatest incentive for my maturity in Christ to press towards the mark, to run the race, the course that he has called me to do, because I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of Jesus Christ. I want to be found occupying. I want to be found in the portion and maturity that he has called me to abide in. At times it seems that God delays, but remember that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. If that is literal, when the Lord returns, he'll say, I've just been gone a couple of days. As sure as he came the first time, he's coming the second time. One of the driving forces, one of the emphasis that drove the Jesus movement in the latter 60s, the early 70s, was that stern conviction of the Lord's soon return, Maranatha. This has waned in the church. As we study history, whenever we see the church losing sight of the soon return of Christ, not teaching it, not speaking about it, it's because the church has become comfortable in the, in the world. It has been accepted it has become prosperous. And much like the church of Laodicea where she says, I have need of nothing, I'm rich. He says, you are blind, naked, miserable. And I say to you this morning that the church is lacking the emphasis of the second return of Jesus Christ this morning. When is the last time that people have talked to you about the second return of Christ? We're caught up in our wealth we're caught up in our being as good as the world. We're caught up in all kinds of things. But we're not caught up in the soon return of Jesus Christ. Learn from the foolish virgins who had no oil. And the groom came and the five went in. They shut the door and they said, open unto us. He says, it's too late. Count the number of times that such parables and teachings are given. Why? Because Jesus knows the heart of man. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand, Paul says. Peter says, but the end of all things are at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. We are to be as one who has his neck stretched out, anticipating. The bride is anticipating the groom's return. She doesn't know when, so she's always ready. She's always looking out. What happened when you had a date with a guy or a girl you really had been trying to date for a long time and they finally asked you out? And you were waiting. They were to be there in a half hour. Were you just kind of kicking back? No, you kept looking in the window, you, you know, and then when you saw him, you nonchalant, you know, like nothing happened. <laughs> but you were looking. How are you looking for Jesus Christ? Are you saying, well, you know, it's okay, he's, he's coming. Uh-uh. Thirdly, the Lord's return should be an incentive against grumbling 
knowing that I will have to give an account for every idle word, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. Look at verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned or judged. Behold, a judge is standing at the door. The picture that he gives here is Jesus is right at the door, ready to just come and bring judgment. He says, what are you doing murmuring and grumbling against one another? We should learn of the Old Testament. We have that in vivid picture form. A whole generation, a million and a half to two and a half million people walking around in circles for 40 years, murmuring, complaining, not because they didn't have the miraculous work of God or the divine presence with them, but is that they were so accustomed to it that they became indifferent to it. They were overexposed to the things of God. And all they did was turn inward and begin to murmur and complain. Now when I become impatient, I will try to take things into my own hands. Because I don't think God is really going to settle the account, so I will try to do it myself. Whenever I do that, I add to my own hurt. And I blow my witness. Whenever I become impatient, my concern is not to mature and grow in Christ. But it's to do my own will. And to just get by. Whenever I become impatient, then I become impatient with you. Because if I've got problems, it can't be all me. It's got to be you. It's you people. <laughs> Paul says that we will all stand before the beam of seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 through 15. Everything that I've ever done will be judged. It will either be wood, hay, or stubble and consumed. Or it will be gold, silver, or precious stone. It will be turned into an object of permanency and I will be rewarded. The basis of judgment in chapter 4, verse 5 is the motive of my heart. God is not going to be concerned with all that I did and what I did. But God is going to be concerned on how I did it. Why I did it. See, at times we can parade ourselves and seem so spiritual, so nice, so loving before one another. But we can't see one another's hearts. But God sees my heart. And when my heart is right, then God says, I account that to you. And when my heart is not right, He allows that to benefit the body, but He doesn't account it to me. I will suffer the loss. Paul says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You see, too often we grow weary. We lack drawing close to God so that we can receive that patience. James has already told us in chapter 1 that if we lack patience, in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You're not going to get patience from anything else but God. And that means that you and I have to wait upon Him. You know, it's like the guy that came to God and he says, God, you know, I need patience and I want it right now. <laughs> I mean, if you want patience and turn to chapter 1, he says, you're going to get tribulation. Because Paul says that tribulation brings patience in Romans 5. And that brings hope. 
You see, God keeps us so dependent on Him. But if we aren't aware of that, then all we will do is grumble and mumble and murmur. And murmuring is always a condition of the heart. They've got a condition. They say you've got a murmur of the heart. It skips a beat. Many believers have a murmur of the heart. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry or delay, Hebrews 10.37 says. Do you understand that? That Jesus will not tarry, he will come. Sometimes it seems so hard to believe that he is coming. When I first came to know Jesus Christ in 1973, uh, my brother and myself, we didn't know anything. All we did was walk around with a Bible and just tell people that they needed Jesus they were going to hell. Now, raw sermons haven't changed much. They still say the same thing. <laughs> but we didn't know anything. But yet we knew that Jesus was coming. And we were excited. And you know what? I'm just as excited this morning because God lives in an eternal present. I am run by the clock. God lives in an eternal present. And so we have great difficulties when God begins to work in our life. And so we need to draw close to Him to get patience. Now the illustration of patience is interesting. First is the farmer in verse 7. He says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rains. Notice that the farmer sows seed and he waits for the harvest. He can do nothing else. He cannot cause it to rain. He cannot overcome natural disaster. He sows seed and he trusts God. He's patient. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9, that he and Apollos were laborers and ministers of God. At times one watered, the other one planted, but God gave the increase. And so we are God's field in His vineyard, and we are laborers in that vineyard. The early rains speaks of October, November, when the rain comes and it germinates the seed. The latter rains speak of March and April, where the latter rains mature the harvest for reaping. And so the farmer depends patiently on God. You see, we have nothing to do with the harvest. All we can do is be reapers. We can sow, we can water, but God gives the increase. And so often we're so impatient with our loved ones, with our friends who do not know Christ, and we say, what's the matter with them? I've given them every archaeological uh, proof. I've, I've told them about the fossils. I told them, you know, let me tell you, miracles won't save nobody. Archaeological evidence won't save nobody. It's got to be by the Spirit of God to just tear your heart apart through conviction and make Jesus Christ known. God may use some of those things, but no one ever gets saved by proof. People get saved by the Spirit of God and the grace of God. So we are to be patient as to God's timing. Pastor Xavier Reese has been illustrating the illuminating work of the Spirit 
and to trust His perfect timing for our lives. And there's much more to come next time. But if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But if you prefer your own personal copy, as always, you can pick up a CD of today's message for just $4, and it's titled, Patience in the Believer's Life. Perhaps you'd like to share it with someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is, Patience in the Believer's Life, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 